decent are you as a manager, as a human being? If you're a decent person, you're inclusive. Hey there, this is Bev and you're listening to the People at Work podcast. People at Work is brought to you by Jostle. Jostle is the creator of an employee intranet that is helping make work less overwhelming for people in the workplace. And while we're thinking about building our intranet, we're also thinking about ways that we can actually get in front of the changes that are happening at work today. And that's why we like to have conversations like the one we're going to have today around things like employee experience, workplace culture, and leadership trends. So I hope you'll enjoy the conversation today. I'm delighted to welcome our guest, Rita Kakati Shah. Rita is an award-winning diversity, inclusion, and career strategist. She's an international speaker, advisor to Fortune 500 companies, and the founder of UMA, an online platform that empowers women looking to re-enter the workforce after a career break or transition. So Rita started the company in response to her own personal journey of transitioning careers, relocating countries, and taking a career break to raise her two children. Wow, that sounds like a lot to come through, and I'm really excited to hear about your journey today, Rita. The topic for today's conversation is how inclusion leads to engaged employees. So welcome, Rita. I'm really delighted to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, Beth. It's great to be here. Fabulous. I know that remote working is not um, unusual for you, but um, perhaps you can just give us a sense of, um, you know, how are you doing today? How are things looking for you in your part of the world? So I'm in New York right now. Um, my two small children are next door, so you might you might get a visit for them at some point. Um, but yeah, it's it's eerily quiet right now in New York. Everybody's working from home right now. Um, as you mentioned, I'm used to working from here, there, everywhere. But for those people that ask the question, I'm working from home, what do I do? How can we be social and interact with people if we've been forced to be distant? How do we do that? And I think that's really important in this conversation we're having, Bev, especially when we talk about inclusion, because um, it is a really taxing time for everybody. These are unforeseen times and circumstances right now. But it's important to do what you and I are doing right now, connect by video conference, connect on the phone. Um, one thing that we've forgotten a little bit in the last few years or so is that we don't often talk to each other. People don't have conversations. You text, you message. You don't often see face-to-face -face conversations or pick up the phone. This is that perfect time to do that. It could be with a friend. It could be with a family member, a loved one. Um, with me, my, my parents uh, are in the UK. Um, I'm talking to them every day now, um, which is great. And, and the kids love it too. And we FaceTime with them and it's a great way. But also in the workforce as well, um, have structure in your day and make sure you kind of have these sort of video interactions to kind of keep sane and remember that you have colleagues out there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that we are in a time of, of business unusual, but I think it's also a time for us to embrace this opportunity to learn new ways of connecting and to emphasize the importance of human connection and that it can be achieved when you're not physically in the same room as one another. And specifically around what the spin-off effects are of making people feel included and engaged and involved. Um, you can achieve those things whether or not you're a, a physical bricks and mortar company or a dispersed organization. And as we know, in the past few weeks, most of us have been thrust into this remote work mode, whether we want to be that way or not. So, um, you know, I've, I've seen that from our customers around having to quickly adapt into 
um, this way of working that's not uh, familiar to them, but they're definitely um, harnessing the idea of remaining connected. And I think that is ultimately what sits at the core of everything we do as, as businesses and, and workplaces is how do we actually increase the connection, um, which necessarily leads to inclusion and belonging and that yeah. psychological safety, um, whether or not you can actually see people face to face or not. So, yeah. So very topical conversation today um, and very and a, a very important one, I think, because in the frenzy of what's unfolded in the last few um, weeks or even months now across the world, um, you know, people are feeling a bit disconnected. I think yeah. people are, and it's easy to focus on the practical things we have to do to cope with what's happening, but there's this emotional side of things and yeah. inclusion is necessarily an emotional um, yeah. aspect of how we, we connect with one another. So. Perhaps let's walk through a little bit of your background around how did you come to have this interest in diversity and inclusion and what has it meant to you as your career has unfolded? Yeah, so thanks for that. Um, how I got involved, so I'm, I'm from the UK and I started my career in finance. Um, I was at Goldman Sachs for about 10 years, started off on the trading floor. At the time, one of very few women and certainly people of colour on the trading floor. So I kind of naturally fell into an environment where I was like, hmm, where are the other women? Um, where are the other minorities out there? And started to kind of um, naturally sort of grow and become part of a women's network at the time. And these weren't really called diverse in initiatives back then. This is, are we talking the early 2000s? It was more of a sort of, okay, how do we grow a professional network? At the time there was a women's network and the reputation was just women meeting for coffee. And I thought, okay, great. It's great to have coffee breaks, but why can't we have a professional network? I would love to find out what my peer is doing in another division. I was in equities. What's my peer doing in on the on the fixed on the fixed income trading floor, commodities, currencies, investment banking, asset management, um, and it sort of grew from that. Similarly, I helped grow another network, the Asian Professionals Network, because the banking industry certainly was great. Where I came from, Goldman was great of having a diverse workforce. So meaning people coming from all over the world, different backgrounds. Um, however, there were certain stereotypical roles within that. Um, you would look at the tech team and you would quite often see people coming from India, for example, or you'd look at um, a desk that was covering um, Latin American shares or um, a, a co covering the Asian markets. And you'd have people really from those demographics in those parts of the world. And I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's diverse, but how, can I experience something else? I have an interest in Latin America or I have an interest in um, the Japan desk. I'd love to find out more about that. And it was sort of working around these sort of parameters and finding sort of business leaders that supported that internally that we really set up a new network to help grow that. So that was really diversity, but also inclusion being brought in very naturally um, when it wasn't really called that back then. Um, but I think also in how I got involved in this space was a, my natural um, background, but then I went through a career transition myself. I went from banking into the healthcare industry. Um, and Bev, this is a funny story because um, 10 years later, fast forward in time, a family friend approached me one day and said, hey, Rita, you have a business background. Um, I, I studied mathematics and management at university. Um, and he said to me, he said, could you help me set something up to do with um, drug, de drug development and clinical trials in Delaware? So my first question is, what's Delaware? Not where's Delaware, 
but what is it? I was like, is that a bar of chocolate? Is it a bar of soap? What is it? I had no idea. It's a tax haven. People set up companies in this one place in the States. Um, long story short, that's how I got my feet wet in a completely different industry. I was involved um, completely in business development. And that's really how I really got to travel to lots of fun and incredible places around the world, meeting thought leaders um, across psychiatry and neurology um, in this new field. And that taught me something else as well, that I thought, you know, um, and I certainly did get an incredible experience during my time in the corporate world, but this in a way was the real world, which I didn't really get to experience. Little things like, um, I remember we were going to pitch to a client and I said to my at the time boss that, hey, why don't we get this printed in color and ring bound? I think it would look better. And he said, great, Rita, there's a, a FedEx Kinko's up the road. To me, that was interesting and eye-opening because I was used to having a team work under me. I was used to just sending an email and then half an hour later have this stack of immaculate presentations just ready for me. But this was real life. You had to put them together yourself. You had to send them to somebody. And for the first time I did this, I went and stood in that FedEx Kinko's and I sat there, well, stood there really for the entire time and watched how they did it. And they were like, ma'am, there's a coffee shop across the road. Uh, we can give you a call when it's done. I'm like, it's all right, can I just sort of watch? And I was so intrigued. To me, this is the real world. Um, so this is a way of, again, a diverse way of thinking, a diverse way of doing business. Um, fast forward again a few years, so, so this was business development. I was traveling back and forth everywhere. Um, I moved to the New York, um, officially to the US after I got married. And um, I now have two small children who are now five and seven, actually. So they're not that small anymore. But when they were young, I was um, thinking of um, maternity leave, um, obviously coming from the UK. And I know in Canada as well, you have more generous policies there. Um, I was thinking in my head that, you know, up to a year off, paid leave, um, some sort of mentoring, going back. You know, very, very different story um, at the time in the US where, you know, I was offered um, six weeks off unpaid and I had to file a disability claim to get there so uh, I just remember thinking it was almost like a slap in the face and I ended up quitting that job and I spent the next beautiful three and a half four years just fully um, immersed into motherhood and I have to say Bev that out of all the jobs I've ever done where I thought investment banking was hard I thought traveling crossing multiple time zones was hard nothing nothing compared to being a full-time mother full-time parent it's working 24 7 um, but you can never take a break. You can never take a sick break. It's like nonstop. And I picked up so many incredible skill sets doing that. You know, I thought I was patient. I was not patient until I had children. <laughs> and then you work out how to negotiate um, and all sorts of incredible things like that. So that really planted the seeds of starting my company, Uma, um, which I named after the Hindu goddess, um, who I call the goddess of go-getting because she's a mother, a daughter, a sibling, and a wife. So she really depicts all of the many roles that we as women play at some point in our lives, um, but full of confidence, full of determination, and just really a go-getter out there. So it's a perfect name for the company. And that's really what spearheaded the company, a really a journey to empower these incredible women um, and minorities thinking of re-entering the workforce, but also how do you speak to companies? It's not just about getting people in the workforce, how do you then get them to stay? How do companies retain this incredible talent pool and then promote them internally so that they end up in these leadership positions, which is really not happening right now. So that's kind of how I got into the space and just 
fell head over heels. It's something I'm so passionate about. Um, I do have um, offices around the world now, um, certainly New York, London, LA, San Fran, and actually one person in Toronto as well. So we are gr um, growing slowly but surely and really just spreading the mission and just trying to help companies really see that. It's not just about having a diverse workforce, but really focus on the inclusivity piece as well. Yeah, that's an incredible journey. And uh, you were definitely way ahead of the times that we're living in now in terms of um, how much more prominent it is in the, the dialogue we're having, obviously the things in the news around the Me Too movement and those movements that are really helping empower women. It seems to be that there is a much greater awareness in the world around um, being inclusive and respectful and welcoming of others. Um, however, there is much work to be done. And uh, we know that this, obviously, at the um, organizational level, it's still hard for companies to understand how to create these um, environments where diversity and inclusion is naturally part of who they are. And it's not just some band-aid program that they can put over the problem. So what I'd love to chat about today is how do we actually help organizations um, create this environment of inclusivity such that it's part of their natural way of working, um, which must have a positive impact as it sort of goes out into society and, you know, into um, communities and, and, and people's lives as a whole, right? So um, I think workplaces and organizations have a really important role to play in creating the mindset around inclusivity. So, you know, let's just explore a little bit around why does inclusivity and respecting diverse people and viewpoints lead to engagement in the workplace? I would like to flip the coin around a little bit. Um, the way we get through to companies in terms of why they should even take this seriously, Bev, because nothing gets done unless a company buys into it. You know, it is a buzzword right now, diversity and inclusion. Everyone's hiring Mike Brown and say, hey, Rita, can you help us fix this? But before I can fix it, I need to find out from them why they're doing this and do they understand the reason? Now, if you look at research, 53% of employees are unhappy at work right now. What does that mean? They might end up leaving. If they leave, you have to replace these employees. And it costs one and a half to three times an existing person's salary to hire and retrain somebody new. That is extortionate for a company and, you know, costs, legal costs, HR costs, technology, retraining costs, culture, very hard to replicate. And these things that companies do then understand that, wow, we actually have to fill that void. You know, and this costs, if you look at all of the countries and the, uh, the companies in the, in the US, for example, billions of dollars extra in a year. So this is something that is fundamental to work out. And then if you then take the, take the next step along, uh, once sort of companies understand that, yes, this is something we have to work on, why do employees leave in the first place. So if you look at exit interviews, if you look at sort of surveys people are doing and just sort of ask people, you find out that, you know, um, mostly people leave if they feel undervalued. 79% of employees quote leaving a company because they weren't valued, they felt discriminated against, they felt just ignored. And um, a lot of employees of those 58% actually left because um, they didn't get along with their boss. So we hear all the time that people left a company, but do they really leave the company or do they leave their boss? And you could have somebody who's amazing at their job, Bev, but if they have no idea how to look after their employees, they don't have that emotional connection, 
they're not really being a good manager and then their employees going to leave. And that's really what we're seeing right now. So in terms of the inclusivity piece, it is fundamental right now to keep your employees sane, happy, engaged in the workforce right now. So um, that's sort of in a nutshell why it's important because you're trying to keep people there are those who is there right now. And then I'm going to sort of merge that little bit with now that people aren't working uh, really in, in the physical workplace. We're working remotely and it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's really now up to the management team and team dynamics to really focus and keep these employees engaged. You know, we spend a lot of time with our colleagues um, doing office work. And what's one of the things that keep us there? getting along with your colleagues, the banter, sort of having, enjoying, having that sort of spring in your step, that excitement of going to the office or kind of um, the work you're doing. If that excitement goes away, then what is there keeping you there? So that's really important for inclusivity, but employee engagement as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. And when we're talking about inclusivity, are we speaking specifically about the measures that companies are taking to include people of all races, genders, you know, cultural and religious beliefs, like are we talking about inclusivity from that perspective or are we talking more broadly about how we actually bring people in, make them feel like they belong, make them feel like they're valued? Um, or is it a bit of both? Like it's how do you a bit view of, it? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of everything. I'll give you an example. So I was doing a talk um, in Moscow about a year ago to CEOs from big companies in Eastern Europe. And I asked them the question. So they saw that I was of Indian heritage and um, India and Russia have a great relationship. So they were like, oh, you know, we, we have loads of Indians in our company. I said, like, great, you know, wonderful. Um, and I asked them the question. I said, how many of you guys have heard of the holiday Diwali? Um, and, you know, quite a few hands went up in the room. Great. I said, how many of you folks celebrate Diwali? And we're talking about 1,500 managers in the room. This is a huge, huge conference. I would say maybe one, maybe two hands went up in terms of celebrate. And that's the example I was giving them in terms of the difference between diversity. Yes, they've got a diverse workforce. They're hiring people from everywhere, especially from, from India and whatnot. But are they feeling included? No. You can't just sort of force people and bring them in because you're fulfilling a quota or a mandate and then you have to force them to fit into, into a peg. How would they bring in their culture with them and their beliefs, their background and their understanding? One of the reasons you hire people from different backgrounds is because they bring different perspectives with them. The research out there that shows that having a diverse and inclusive workforce is ultimately better for a company's bottom line is if you allow and utilize the skills from this workforce. If you try and force them to become like you, then that doesn't happen and they end up leaving. So I think in terms of answering your question, it's a bit of both. It is about sort of really helping that form feel included. But also another example, Bev, is that sort of rewind back to, I don't know, your first job or when I was working again back in the early 2000s, where um, we used to talk about IQ as being a way of sort of, you know, hiring people into the workforce. Um, and then you fast forward a few years and it was sort of more on the emotional side of things. And we looked at EQ. Now um, we talk about the DQ more, the decency quotient. And I actually heard a very interesting talk by Ajay Bunga, the CEO of MasterCard, actually talk about the decency quotient. How decent are you as a manager, as a human being? If you're a decent person, you're inclusive. It's very difficult to sort of teach people 
about different cultures. I mean, some people learn quickly, some people, you know, they take the time and they're interested in different things, but you can't just sort of learn and it's hard not to put your foot in it sometimes when you just don't know. So how would you educate yourself? Well, are you just a decent person? Are you being nice to someone on a daily basis? Are you that person that you can be, you know, lent upon um, and go sort advice from? Um, and that's really the crux, really, of what this is about. I've not heard that uh, DQ um, <laughs> before. So thank you. And it makes absolute sense, right? Like it's just about being decent human beings in the workplace. And then many of these things that we've spoken about actually just naturally flow from there, right? Exactly. So that's an interesting segue into my next question, which was going to be around what role do managers play in um, helping promote a feeling of inclusivity and diversity in a workplace? And um, maybe the, the whole idea around the decency quotient is actually the answer there. So like, what are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, so I think if you use the decency quotient as the underlying sort of message there, how can you be decent? Well, just in your general manner, do you ask people how they are? Um, what are they up to in the day? How would you feel everyone included? Managers have the task of getting the team together, assuming they have a team, and getting everyone engaged and interested and to buy in to what the greater mission of the, the, the workforce is, what the company is doing. So how are they getting the team involved? So things managers could really do is if they have team meetings um, or if they don't, make sure you do have them, have structure to them, have an agenda. An agenda isn't something that you know um, you just take lightly. It's something that you have to adhere to and stick to. It gives people structure and, and something. And then also have every um, a member of every um, person in your team speak and give an update of what they're working on doing. What does that do? A, it helps them feel important because you're trusting them to show you have, they're taking ownership, but also increases their presentation skills. They're getting up, they're researching, they're getting an opportunity to show everyone what they're working on. That also shows their productivity. So for example, if you have um, folks that are working on different hours for whatever reason, somebody is injured, somebody's coming back from a career break, um, a mom or a dad are having to duck out early to go pick up children from school or coming later one morning. It, through this mechanism, they talk about their productivity. What are they getting done and when? So at least we know that the work is getting done. One of the reputation that people do get is that, what are they even doing? Why is this manager treating them like they're, they're God? I've been here day in, day out, and I don't get the special treatment. This sort of puts everything down for everyone to look at, ask questions, seek help for, and it gets everybody on the same playing field. So that's one easy solution really a manager could do um, as a starter. Another one could be um, find out what's special to different members of your team. Um, find out their birthdays. Celebrate it. You know, it could be like a just a happy birthday note. Everyone gets together and sort of wishes that person in the morning. It could be like a tradition of okay, it's uh, the week of somebody's birthday. Every Friday, I'm going to bring in donuts or what, whatever it is. It could be something fun and jovial like that. Um, it could also be something like um, you know, are there any cultural or religious days that is important to that person? And allow them, so one of the team meetings could be, okay, today we're gonna to have a focus on so-and-so in our team, and they're gonna talk about something to do that's important to them and where they come from. And that would help educate the team. And then what is something special to you? And it could be a family function, it could be a particular suite, some, you know, and you could bring in some sweets or celebrate it in some way. Um, and that could be a really way of including that person as well. So there are so many, so many different ways of doing this. Um, 
sometimes you know we put on a lot of workshops for managers and teams uh, as part of that and and we do a lot of role playing you can't beat that and role playing helps because it gets people to think in other people's shoes um so that's something definitely a manager can uh, can work on and what advice do you have for managers in this new realm of work that we are all currently facing suddenly a lot of people are not face to face with their managers anymore so what can managers do today to help keep their folks engaged um, and feel included um, if they can't see them um, physically in their office yeah so um absolutely that there still needs to be the agenda the structure to the day um, rather than have maybe a weekly team meeting, everybody has like a morning roundup, for example. So maybe have your, when everybody's in, uh, it depends what time everybody's in, like maybe 9am, 8.30, 10 a.m., whenever it is, everybody gets together on a Zoom call on a, um, or on another sort of, sort of web-based um, infrastructure where the whole team just catch up. And it's really kind of, okay, how's it been going? How are you feeling? It's very important to talk about that because everybody does have emotions around what's going on right now. I don't think it's a good idea to mask that because it's on everybody's minds. And some people are scared. Some people are confident. Some people think it's a hoax. Some people think it's a conspiracy. Some people are like, I want to get on with life. But it's good to kind of hear people out um, because this is bonding. If they were in the office, they'd be talking about this. So I think it's a good time every day to have a few minutes to talk about that and then, then talk about, okay, this is what we're going to work on today. And let's see, can everyone give us a quick roundup of what, how, how did yesterday go? And what are we going to work on today? And do that. And the manager can say like, you know what, I have a couple of, of availability. If anyone wants to catch up with me personally, just please ping me, message me. A lot of com companies have Slack networks that they set up. So it's easy to kind of chat, it, chat with each other and have organized quick um, calls. Um, and these are ways that you can keep people engaged at the moment. The point that you made about being available or making yourself available to your employees in the way that makes sense to them is a really important one too, right? And um, I, I agree with having the group engagement and, and trying to get some structure and routine. And, and I think more communication is better than less communication in times like these. Um, but I think that leaving it open to the individual to decide what makes sense for them is also an important piece here so that you don't lose touch with, with people on an individual level. And yeah. that's why in our environment at, at Jostle, um, so we don't usually work remote. We have flexible work hours, but we've never been fully remote before as an entire company. So, um, so while the idea of remote work is not foreign to us, we haven't all been dispersed at the same time before. So um, the one thing that we're continuing to reinforce with our team leads or managers is they should maintain their one-on-one -on -one meeting schedule with their employees. Like that's a very critical yeah. vector for us to have yeah. connection with employees to make sure we've got a pulse on how people are feeling. Um, and it brings that a sense of normalcy to things, right? Yeah. Like at a time when things are not normal. So yeah. um, what are your thoughts around like some of the tools or like, are there things out there that are resources that you could perhaps recommend for managers to help them if they're, unfamiliar with how to do this. Yeah, so I think to your point, it's very important to have that normalcy. It's familiarity as well. You know, when people do have times like this, when you have fear and panic, which is everywhere right now, people like to go what they're familiar with. They're familiar actually with their manager and their workforce. And what can the manager do? So I myself, I live on my calendar. 
um, but you know, you could use Excel, you could use a notepad, you can sort of just make notes on like, you know, who have I spoken to, how many people are in my team and sort of make sure everybody has like a set appointment, which works with them. You know, people have different um, issues going on. I myself, I have two young children that I have to, at the same time, figure out how to homeschool at the same time. There are other employees having to do the same with everything shutting down right now. So you want to figure out with your manager and in the morning team meeting, that is something to bring up. This is not the time to be you know, sort of, I guess, shy about these sort of things. So I think I would put the onus on the employee as well, but also the manager. And the manager can start by use, sort of giving a personal anecdote and say, hey, you know what? This morning was crazy that, you know, my toaster broke down. Or I had no food. Or I ran out with water or my, my daughter peed herself, whatever it is, because it makes you sound real. And people like that. Are you somebody that I can relate to and just talk to about what's going on? You know, um, and if you ask questions like you give your own example first to make it sort of bring down those barriers. So I think sometimes what managers do, they try to become too managerial and they forget the human side of them. They are humans first and foremost. Be that. Be, you have to be um, crossover into that slightly kind of friendly um, state. You know, I'm not saying being friends with the employers, but you're there for them. You are. Um, you absolutely have to be there for them. They are looking at you as a role model, as somebody that is really someone they're looking up to at the company. They don't have anybody right now. You could be that person. So um, remember that. And also be vulnerable. If you're having issues too, turn to your team. You know, if that makes you more real and more respected and it shows that you respect your team in return by sort of letting down your own barriers and said, you know what? things are really tough what can I do and you know what I can't do this can, is there someone else I can ask just to volunteer and, and take this task on for me um, you'd be surprised how many people are willing to help out if you openly sort of show your kind of what you have and you know your willingness to listen and help as well yeah and do you think that that managers might have some concern about when business returns to normal um, and they've perhaps made themselves a little too vulnerable through this process? Like, what advice do you have for people who are feeling a bit cautious about how um, vulnerable they appear to be in front of their employees, um, you know, yeah, or what so this I looks like for now and into the future? Yes, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a couple of things here. Um, they are the manager, so they have to be the leader. What does a leader do? Leader has to kind of show that they're in charge of what's going on. They know the structure. They can help orient the folks in terms of difficult times like this and also provide solutions. But they also can show that they understand the people they're leading. And the one way of doing that is talking about your own personal examples. So in terms of being vulnerable, I don't mean like, oh my God, I have no idea what to do. The company is collapsing. Oh my gosh, I can't lead. It's not that. It's more like, okay, this is the task we have. This is the company mandate. In all honesty, I don't know where we're going to be in a month's time. But what I do know is this is the task at hand. This is how we're going to get there. And these are a few steps. Um, but it is terrible. You know, it is tough times right now. Like, you know, I myself am going through a couple of issues as well. And like, you know, I understand the whole homeschooling thing. I'm doing it as well. But this is what, what we're going to do. So I understand. I want everyone to book me an appointment on my calendar. Um, literally 15 minutes is all we need. I know you might have like, you know, um, other commitments going on as well but just build that around and I'm available for you and also um, if I want to reach out and sort of delegate a few tasks as well I'd love it for you know a couple of you guys to come forward too I think this is the greatest time to kind of prove that leadership within yourself as well so I think you're by being a leader and sort of giving trust to your team they support you more as well you don't want anyone to switch off at this time and you have to keep them engaged as much as possible 
Yeah, I love what you said about this emergence of of leaders who you know have had this potential perhaps within them and who are now rising up to show that they have leadership capability and they don't have, they may not even be a manager or anyone who is responsible for leading a part of the business from an operational point of view yeah. um, but are now taking the initiative and whether it's through humor or through helping people out or just finding innovative ways to actually work together uh, yeah. practically through these times. Um, I think it's wonderful to see that and, and managers should recognize that within their team. Yeah. Like I think yeah. the recognition component is a huge part of keeping people engaged and included at times like these. Absolutely. And, you know, using whatever way you have, I mean, we're lucky at Jostle, you know, we use our own intranet product. So, um, you know, we, give each other shout outs. We've got tons of discussions going on that right now. So Our important. Yeah. Yeah. Communication has expanded exponentially over the past week for us where, yeah. um, you know, we were already a communicative company. It's been really fascinating to see how these, these different ways of communicating have blossomed. We have to take away whatever positive we can from situations like this. And, and I think that as humans who come together to, to work in, in a place at, that we call a company, um, this is a, a, an amazing time for growth and development for people. It's a, an amazing time for us to learn how to work smarter and better. And maybe we learn some things through the process that are actually you know, going to I, I help us be better in the long run. Completely agree with you there. And I think, you know, from a manager perspective, you know, we talk about work-life balance a lot. Now, this is the time to do it. You know, people are panicking right now. But you know what? You don't have to commute to the office. Think of the time you're saving by not commuting to and from the office. Think of the time you're saving if you have to do drop off in the morning to school and back again. You're saving all of that time. And how many of us have said this? Oh, if only I had an extra 20 minutes in a day. Oh, if only I had more time. We have that now. We need our own just personally as well. And this leads straight, this bleeds straight into the professional side of our lives too. We absolutely need to have that structure in our own days. You know, meditate, breathe, spend time without the kids, yoga make breakfast you know enjoy that cup of coffee or that smoothie stretch you know write our thoughts down read that book that we've always been talking about this is the time to do it so i think in terms of work-life balance a manager can actually promote that more so do you know guys we have more time to do that let's spend time and you know he can even in the morning um start off with a few affirmative words that could be something that is really cool for the team and they come up together with some sort of a charm or something that is like you know I'll, I'll get over this i'm important and whatever it is and they just sort of say it to each other as a team and they start the conversation that way and that's how they start their day um and that is all a part of you know wellness looking after yourself um and sticking together this is a time that everyone is coming together and that's a time a manager can really prove their leadership by doing so yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about a lot of things that we can be doing. Um, what should a manager do if they're noticing that their employees are disconnecting or disengaging? Like what are some of the extra measures that someone could take to really double down on making someone feel included to keep them along this journey that we're on together? Yeah, so I think, you know, everybody's, um, and I'm just going to go from the situation we're in at the moment, um, everybody reacts differently. To the situation everybody's situations are different you know you don't know what other people's personal lives are and what they have going on so i think you know given what the ultimate team task is just break it down differently you know there is always something that somebody can be doing to help them feel relevant if somebody is feeling overwhelmed give them that time 
you know, there's an easier way, like in the team meeting, we can say, you know what, so-and-so needs a little bit of, a little bit of time, that's totally fine. Let's split up this particular work with, you know, X, Y, and Z, and sort of split up three or four ways. But in the meantime, that, you know, what, what can that person take on right now? Is it sort of just researching? Is it um, reading on something? Is it collecting thoughts? Is it just sort of stepping away for a bit? And that's sort of part of what um, I guess needs to needs to happen. And the manager needs to say it's absolutely fine to do that and help them feel comfortable discussing it. Now, you know, in these in intermittent daytime one-on-one -on -one conversations, this should hopefully come out. You know, that I can't do this or I'm struggling. And the manager said, okay, that's totally fine, and make the call like they would if it was an office situation whether to say, okay, just take a step back or let's break this down further. What of this can you comfortably think you can get done? Do you think you can do that portion? Let's try. Let's come back tomorrow, give it a couple of days and see how you get along. Yeah, that's great advice. And um, as we're coming to the conclusion of our conversation here with the pandemic that we're facing globally, what would you say is the most important thing that organizations should do today um, to focus on inclusivity within their workplace if they could only do one thing what would that be so i think at the moment um people are worried you know thinking what if i don't have a job i have bills to pay i still have to pay my mortgage or my rent so i think companies what they can do is show that leadership to say that you know show them security when it's time of panic and fear people want security right so i think by companies saying that we're here for you um we're still around and business as usual in a way, which is why I think it's important to have these daily meetings and having these sort of work calls during the day is important because if, the minute you stop doing that, it becomes like, uh, what's going on with my job? Is it still there? Like, is the company still alive? I just read this article, it's a scare tactic, what's going on? So I think that's what it is right now, just sort of try and keep the faith by being there and showing you're very much invested in your employees still. And that's particularly relevant, um, you know, in this, time that we're in right now but really that's something that you should as a company um yeah. be cultivating yeah regardless of the circumstances yeah. I think, you're facing um, right a, a town hall would be a great idea right now so companies have town halls which is basically everybody in the company sort of remotely or in person joining in to see what the leadership are saying and doing this is a great time for those sort of meetings to happen because it can totally be done remotely it has been anyway just to kind of show what is the leadership doing how what is what is my role how important am i and I think people need to hear that right now. The managers do one level of it, but going even above them, senior leadership is kind of what people want to hear right now. Yeah, I, I love that we're ending on that note and just uh, you know reinforcing the, the importance of clear communication and making people feel supported and uh, secure and recognized is, is so critical at this time. And, and frankly, that's something you should be doing as leaders anyway. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the conversation here today. Um, I've really appreciated the short amount of time we've had together and um, just appreciative of the things that you're doing on a daily basis to forward this agenda um, around inclusivity and diversity and helping that uh, improve that decency quotient, which I think <laughs> is, is just a, you know, such a core human thing that we could all focus on right now. So. Thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you'd like to leave with our audience before we wrap up? Well, Bev, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. If folks do want to get in touch with, uh, with Uma, feel free to check out our website, which is www.bebold.com. Um, or just drop us an email um, on info at bebold.com. 
fabulous. Everything you've shared here today um, is going to be very helpful to our listeners. And I do encourage all of our listeners to reach out to you um, if they'd like to continue the conversation. So thank you very much and be safe where you are and uh, good luck with juggling everything that you and so many others are juggling with, with children and work and limited resources. So um, just be well and be safe. Likewise, thank you. Be well and safe too. Thank you, Rita. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. It would mean a lot to us if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. The more reviews we get, the more people discover the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to ensure that you don't miss an episode. You can do this wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can reach me at bev at jostle.me or find me on LinkedIn. Until next time, take care. Thank you.